There are seasons in Washington when it is even more difficult than usual to find out what is going on in the government. Possibly this is because nothing is going on, although a great many people seem to be working at it. Such a season occurs during the first months of change in presidential administrations. An army of newcomers is then engaged in finding places. For themselves, of course, boldly, shamelessly, ruthlessly, this is refreshing. It only becomes sordid when they start looking for places for others. The old-timers who survived the season engaged themselves for its duration almost entirely in the culling of retirement lists. So ran the speculation of Major General Ransom Jarvis on that spring afternoon in 1953, when he was put on notice that his own retirement was imminent. The general's blast of wrath all but trembled the Pentagon. Then the old boy went home for the day. He loathed his desk anyway, and it was there he had been tethered since the war's end in Europe. But it was going to be a great deal more loathsome to get along on retirement pay. A man's income should be doubled, not halved, to match the time he was given to spend it in the last, numbered years of his life. Among the varied oppressions settling on the general as afternoon advanced into evening was a sense of parsimony. He lived at his club. He had never before quibbled with his conscience over what he put on his bar bill, but that was the state in which he now found himself. It was natural, therefore, that his thoughts turned to the presence in Washington of his son James. Jimmy was the freshman representative from a congressional district, the number of which Ransom Jarvis never could remember, although he had maintained his family residence there all the years of his life. It was there, he supposed, he would have to go on retirement. To the door care of a Scotch housekeeper, who had got her start in America as nursemaid to his son. Damn it, he had not lived that long. Certainly not that much. About to motion the bartender, his thoughts turned again to Jimmy, or more specifically, to the twelve-year-old Scotch whiskey he was sure the boy favoured in Washington as well as at home. He forewent a second drink at the bar. Whatever kind of a son Jimmy had been in other ways, he prided himself on the patience with which he had always listened to his father. Considering the worth of that gentleman's advice over the years, such patience was by now heroic. And that afternoon, he was hard put. As a dear friend had said slyly after her congratulatory kiss on his election, he was now to have the winning candidate's just reward the privilege of listening to the speeches of all the other winning candidates in the country. That was the kind of day it had been. But it shouldn't have happened to me during this, of all, administrations, the general complained of his retirement notice. You are well into your sixties, aren't you, father? If it hadn't been for Korea, this would have happened some time ago.
I'm in my prime, boy. I could have run for president myself. Sound as a hound dog's tooth. The word is clean, clean as a hound dog's tooth, Jimmy said patiently. The general grunted. Huh, that's something else again, isn't it? Jimmy grinned and poured them both another drink.